This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. There was little in the way of action for Plymouth Argyle this weekend, just lots of wet and windy weather and plenty of talking points as well. Here with me to go through them are our podcast regulars, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi guys. Hello. Hello, Stu. Hello, Jack. Dry it out. <laughs> well, it wasn't too bad. The wet was, was not the best, but it was definitely the, the winds and the gales and that was the, the problem on Saturday. So a very unusual postponement of seen a few over the years involving Argyle, normally waterlogged pitches or snow off or frozen pitches, but um, structural damage to the roof, I think, was a new one. Yeah, and having seen the video that's doing the rounds mm. as well, I bet you're especially glad, given that the roof is right <laughs> above the press box. Right above the press box. So, um, yeah, it was very unfortunate, uh, you know, particularly the timing of the postponement. No yeah. one really wants to see a game called off that late in the day, but having spoken to John Back, Argyle's head of operations, and, and spoken to other people, um, despite what a few people may say, it was the it was the only decision that could be made, and I think we've got a couple of questions where we can talk about the postponement coming up anyway. But I think it was the unfortunately it was the only thing that that could be done in those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go on to those questions then, Chris. Mm. Uh, Dave Searle, do you think there should be a cut off time, say for example ten a.m. if a game should be called off if it's in any doubt to stop unnecessary journeys for both away and home fans? The problem with that, though, is that I was watching, because I wasn't at the game on Saturday, because there wasn't a game to be at, I was watching Juliet Soccer, and quite a few of them had these um, referee inspection, pitch inspections, and then they were past fit. They had, some of them had two, and they were past fit. Now, if you're going to postpone anyone that's got a danger of being risked, they would have all been called off. Mm. You, you know, you, can, you can't really do that. I think, I feel for clubs, and, and we, we, I think we spoke about this a lot before, after the Scunfort game, when me and Chris both attended that, and... I feel for clubs because I don't think there's a right time to call off a game. Some fans will travel up the night before, some will be halfway up there, some will already be there, media will already be there, there's loads of food that's already been prepared, staffing. It's not beneficial for any club to call any game off. Yeah. And you know, we're lucky down here, there's not many games called off at Home Park. There's been a fair few on the road, I know there were some about 10, 15 years ago, but there's not that many called off at Home Park. Yeah, well, I guess the situation with this one, Chris, is that it wasn't down to the state of the pitch, was it? The per- pitch was perfectly fine. Yep. You can't do anything about structural damage, and it seems as though it only really became mm. apparent after ten a.m. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I know what Dave means, um, but I think you, if you have a strict time limit or even a sort of vague time limit, you are limiting the, the chances of being of the game being on. Because if you're going to call it off that early in the day, people are going to err on the side of caution or err on the side of postponement. I think if on Saturday. You know, the wind, the wind, the gales on Saturday night in Plymouth were, were, were exceptional. I mean, I've lived in Plymouth for a lot of years and that was a really, really windy night. Um, if the winds had died down on Saturday morning, I think there would have been a scope for Argyle to be able to, to get people in and maybe even carry out the repairs and get the game played. And that's what they were hoping for. But unfortunately, the winds didn't die down. It wasn't safe or legal for them to send people up to inspect the, the damage and to try and carry out any repairs. Um, it's really unfortunate for the Grimsby fans. 
Um, some of them will have travelled down on, on Friday, so would have already been here regardless of what time the game was called off. And when you're travelling long distances, and Argyle fans will know this only too well, you know, they would have left, the fans that left on Saturday would have left at six, seven o'clock. But for the best one in the world, if you've travelled till 10 o'clock, I think you might, you'd be of the mind, well, look, why not give it a couple more hours? And we've already travelled four hours, why not leave it for a couple of hours and see if the game can be on, rather than travelling four hours, having the game called off and having wasted your time completely. I know in the circumstances, it still was postponed, but um, I think if I was a fan travelling those distances, I'd rather hope that the game was played or played and, and the club tried to get the game on. Jack makes a very fair point as well um, about Argyle. It's... it's I don't know if a disaster is too strong a word, but that will have cost them a lot yeah. of money. Mm. They will have paid Grimsby's travel expenses, Grimsby's hotel bill, travel, um, police, stewards, all the part-time staff that would have turned up as usual with the game being on, all the food, the programmes have been printed. Mm. You don't get that money back. That mm. is money that Argyle are going to lose. So it was, a, it was a bad day for Argyle to have to call that game off. But... As I said at the start of the podcast, when you listen to the circumstances, and I thought John Back explained it very well when I chatted to him about the process and the procedures they have to go through, there, there was no, there was no, um, no other option. Safety has to be paramount importance, particularly yeah. when the press box is underneath that bit of roof. <laughs> exactly. What do you think of, uh, the safety of, of Mr. Arrington. The, the, the thing as well is, for fans, most of them will be reimbursed with refunds. I'm sure. You know, it's it's, it's for fans that the biggest loss is inconvenience and time isn't it you know yeah. but health and safety has got to take precedent you know if the game had been called on and someone had got injured or the roof had blown off and hit some people down the road you know you, you just can't risk that i mean they didn't know where the roof might blow off i mean mm. hence they cordoned off the area behind the barn parking where the dog walkers and people like that go because they weren't sure exactly what was going to happen and so when you're in that situation you can't play a game of football can you as, as annoying and as frustrating it is yeah. for everyone and it's not a rule book that must have been a bit weird to come you know when you arrive and see half the wind flapping off like what, what do you do in that scenario that must you know that, you don't experience that every week do you no not so i remember the great storms of um the 80s i'm, yeah, I'm not sure if you know or if you guys will remember but torquay hmm. the the whole stand at Plainmore blew off on the main stand and ended up in the school in behind the, <laughs> right. the main stand so oh, um, yeah yeah, yeah it's, you've got the to, old the old stand yeah the one where bristow's yeah, yeah. where bristow's bench is now yeah. half the stand yeah blew wow. off and ended up in the school in behind in behind no, Plainmore. No, so no, i mean you've that. got to be careful you yeah. know it's uh, hmm. and you only had to look across plymouth on saturday to see the extent of the damage with trees up down and you know, you did lots Payment of stories yourself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I saw a few comments along the lines of, oh, typical Argyle, you know, can't look after nice. their stadium properly and things like that. But, you know, I saw the Met Office put out a, a post during the afternoon that the winds in Plymouth got up to 83 miles an hour. That's pretty exceptional mm. weather. And with the best one in the world, to maintain a, a football stadium so that at no time ever is anything bad going to happen to it is almost impossible. Yeah. I mean... Uh, that's why I went back to, you know, games at Argyle don't get called off very often, do they? No. You know, it's, you know, you go to certain grounds and they have a lot of games, you know, mm. Newport, Accrington mm. have had their problems in the past. Yeah. Really, Argyle fans are quite lucky. It's just unfortunate that mm. the away fans had to travel from so, for so far yeah. this weekend. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Richard Francis is asking, will the roof be fixed in time for the next league match? Is there any updates? I, I asked Saturday John that, that very question um, when I saw him on Saturday and he was, I think to quote him, certain that it would be fine. I think, like I say, if the wind had died down at any point on Saturday morning, there's a fair chance they might have been able to get people up to the roof, check everything out, make sure there was nothing more 
no more damage than just the the, the bits um, roofing that come uh, the sh- the bolts have been sheared and come off. They could have presumably I'm no structural engineer, of course, um, but presumably they could have carried out repairs quite quickly, which is why I think they didn't rule out the game as soon as they realised what the problem was. I think yeah. if if they thought that it was a serious problem, they wouldn't have put out that statement at eleven o'clock, whatever it was, saying, well, you know, it was sort of holding statement wasn't it and in the end they realised they couldn't get people up to repair it but but John Back seemed to think it wouldn't be a problem I mean Argyle's next home game isn't until November the 23rd when Bradford are down so you've got three whole weeks so yeah. I'm, I'm sure it would be it sounded a relatively straightforward problem to solve as long as there wasn't any other damage that they couldn't see from from below yeah uh, Nick Tomlinson friend of the show of course and I've got to feel sorry for Nick as well. PAFC displays, they had a great yeah, remembrance display planned for Saturday, didn't they? There's so, uh, three weeks the next home game, that's yeah. going to be well Yeah, it's a real shame that. But uh, Nick's asking, do we see the postponement as a blessing in disguise for our goal, saving players' legs after a busy few weeks of football? Mm, no, I, I feel sorry for Nick, by the way, because I did see some of the stuff that he did. It done looked very impressive. And it know? looked really impressive. And yeah, unfortunately, Nick's time and uh, might not uh, yield any results because, as Jack says, the the next game's not until November the 23rd. I think it would have been good for Argyle to get to get their, their first game after Exeter out of the way mm. and try and get that out of their system, get a win on the board and then um, and then kick on from there. I did a piece for the for the website yesterday, Stu, on, on Monday. And um, you look at their next three fixtures, Bolton away in the FA Cup, Bolton have won their last three games, have suddenly hit some form under Keith Hill. And then their next two league games are away to Forest Green, who are top, and then at home to Bradford, who are second. So I would like to have got some points on the board against Grimsby before, you know, three pretty tricky games. Mm. Yeah, well, you were saying to me earlier, Jack, the uh, the FA Cup game, you were really looking forward to it and fancied an upset, but they've picked you've got up a bit of form. His, his optimism seems to have <laughs> You've got your ticket and everything bit. you tweeted yesterday, you've got your ticket. I went, I went up yesterday and I did try and look at the roof, actually, to see if there was a bit taken off or replaced, and it didn't look different when I was up there. But, uh, yeah, I was, I'll talk more about the FA Cup soon, but, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And I still am. I'm, I can't wait to go to the stadium. Anyone that follows me, my dad's coming along with me, and it's the first time since Wembley, and... You know, the playoff final before that. Oh, great, that bodes well then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Going out with Chris to keep, to, keep, to keep Chris company. You didn't tell me that. That important bit of information. <laughs> yeah, blame, blame him. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm still looking forward to it. But, yeah, Bolton have picked up form. Um, I, agree with, I agree with Chris. I know sometimes podcasts are good when you have different views. But I do agree with Chris. You know, Grimsby was a good chance for our goals. You know, home game to get three points on the board. Perhaps if I got one four, no, it might have been a, you know, a bit easier. But you want to bounce back. Players will say that. I don't think they really need two weeks off at this stage in the season. And it just yeah. means, you know, there's another fixture filling around a busy Christmas, New Year period, probably. Yeah, you're not counting the Chelsea game as a chance to get the extra game out of the system, then. No. <laughs> no. Oh, do you not like that competition? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, as there was no game at the weekend, I thought I would uh, go down a slightly different route this week. Oh, dear. And test your Argyle knowledge. So it's the great quiz, the great Argyle quiz, Ball v Errington. <laughs> the truck, right, okay, my, my issue right, with this James is... getting his excuses <laughs> in early, here we go, if, come on then, Jack. If we both do well, people will be like, oh, you should do well, because you follow Argon, support Argon, have If we do badly, we just, we just look awful, so I'm praying <laughs> the questions aren't too hard. Right, well, I will put it out there now. I have made your questions slightly easier than Chris's, because we, we both know that Chris is in the... Encyclopedia of football knowledge. But also, you know, now, now you made it sound even worse if I get them wrong. <laughs> How do you spell Argyle? Right, well, Jack, there's 10 questions per person, there's no time limit. 
12 points up for grabs. So when, I'll start with when you first. When Stu says there's no time in though, there, there is really. Yeah, I mean, we're, within we're, reason. You know, we try if we're sat here in half an hour's time and you're on number five. Let's be silent for like 20 minutes. Right, so Jack, your first question. Who was Ryan Lowe's first signing as manager of Plymouth Argyle? Oh, see, this is, my, where my memories, <laughs> this is where my memory fails me. Come right? on, you can do this, Jack. I've got absolutely no idea. Who do you say? This is, oh, this is embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, it's not, it's not Tom Telford, I know that. Um, who did he sign first? Joe Edwards. Yes, correct. Yes. Name two of Joe Edwards' oh, four... Megan. Yeah, you yeah. love the... You'll, te- you'll ten first. Name two of Joe Edwards' four former per- permanent clubs... Walsall. Correct. Yeovil. Correct. And the other two were Bristol City and Colchester. I knew that. Where did Alex Fletcher spend a brief loan spell on loan earlier this season? Torquay. Oh, no, wait, no. no. I take that back. I take that back. Oldershot. It was Oldershot. Are we taking that, Chris? Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, okay, we'll take that. Claudie Lolos made his Argyle debut against who? Oh. League debut? Yeah. Oh, Walsall. Newport County. Oh. Close. Paul Sturrock became Argyle manager in the year 2000, but who did he replace? Oh, this is before my time, this is. Oh, no. I should know this, shouldn't I? This is before my time. I didn't start following in 2002. Pass. I don't, I don't know. Kevin Hodges. Oh, Ryan Taylor has three goals this season, two in the league, coming in the same game against who? That's the one where you just set the head two it. goals. Oh, who was who? This, this is where my memory fails me, and it really angers me. <laughs> and yet, you've been on previous podcasts saying about how well you've done on these quizzes up north. So, uh, oh. yeah, but they were about musicals and yeah. uh, TV and modern, stuff like that. Modern day things. I'm, mind you, this, this was earlier this year, so I've got no excuse. And I was at the game. Um, I can't even think who we played at home this year. Um, um, Swindon. Walsall. Oh, I'm <laughs> Who scored Argyle's goals in the 4-2 defeat to Reading in the Carabao Cup? Oh, God's sake. God's sake. That Joe Grant. No. Ryan Taylor <laughs> and Jose Baxter. Joe Riley. I wouldn't have got that one, Jack. Joe Riley joined Argyle in the summer of 2018 after his release by who? Hello. Shrewsbury Town. Horribly <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Danny May's sole goal for Argyle this season has come against who? Oh, see, I remember the goal, I just don't remember the opposition. It was a nice goal as well, wasn't it? Mm. Everyone's saying that's a Danny Mayer that we want to see, and I'm just babbling because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'll just go Swindon again. Actually, I'll give you a clue. Think of uh, Gary Neville. Salford? Yes. I knew that one. <laughs> Adam Randall made his Football League debut for Argyle this season against who? I don't like the who question. <laughs> Adam Randall. <coughs> Swindon. One of them's got to be Swindon. Oldham. Well, that's your 10 questions. <laughs> How like that? Two, three, four, five. Five out of 12. Oh, I thought some of those were quite tricky, Jack. I, I'm not good with who questions. Yeah. I think those are the ones I. Anyway, oh dear. Chris, right can, you, can you deliberately get, can I give you some money five quid to get, to get less than five? <laughs> Let's see how we go, Jack. So that one's Chris then. Chris, right. who okay. is the first player to be substituted <laughs> in the Ryan Lowe era? This is easy. You <laughs> knew <laughs> this one straight away, didn't we? So it was at Crew. Yep. So who came off first in that game against Crew? 
The first place to come off. Come on. On. Oh, sorry, to come off. Yeah, to come, come off. off. Um, I'm going to say who started that game would have come off. Um, Connor Brown. Joe Edwards. Okay. Who came on for Joe Edwards? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, was Jose Baxter playing by then? Because that would have been the obvious replacement. I don't know if he was playing then. Did he make his debut that day? First game of the season. First game of the season. Who came on for Joe Edwards? I'd better say Conor Grant. Jersey Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Christian, Christian, you 0%. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first player to be sent off this season? Anthony Sarsley. Correct. Yeah. Who's that against? Walsall. Correct. Was that, was that two questions? No, that was just one. <laughs> I just I'll get both of them. Alex Palmer played two games on loan last season for two different clubs. Who yeah. were they? Uh, Kidderminster. Nope. Oh, right. Okay. Um, does it matter then if I get the next one? Yeah, because there's two points available. Two points. Uh, you on loan to last season? I thought you were on loan to Kidderminster, I must admit. Um... Football League clubs. Two Football League clubs and you're on loan to Did you know, do you know this one? I could lie and say yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Palmer, where was he on loan? Uh, somewhere, could be somewhere near West Brom. Um, no, Walsall? Nope. Mm-hmm. Oldham? Yeah. That was the first one. And Notts County? He went down on the last day of the season as an emergency Ooh, signing. Sneaky. I didn't know that. Um, I wouldn't have never got that one. Joel Grant made his international debut for Jamaica in t- May 2014 mm-hmm. against who? <laughs> England. <laughs> Serbia. <laughs> Oh, I, might, I might win this quiz. Simon Hallett is yeah. the co-chief investment officer yeah. for which American company? Harding Lerner. Correct. Like that. Oh, damn. Mm. Who became Argyle's first non-English or Scottish manager? Oh, that's a good I question. I isn't one. Non-English or Scottish? British? He is British, yes. Hmm... Long time ago? No. Uh, I didn't realise we were playing the yes or no game. This is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, wasn't Billy Bingham from Northern Ireland? And wasn't he Argyle manager years ago? But I could be, I could be wrong. Um, Not according to soccer base. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't B- Billy Bingham from Northern Ireland? Or was he just Northern Ireland manager? I've got no he's idea. Northern Ireland manager. Yeah. But, um, but he's not English and Scottish. That's my... Uh, Who's on? So let's have a think of who I've. Carl uh, um, Fletcher's Welsh. Before that. I, I think I know this one. Go <laughs> on then, Jack. Pulis. Yes, Tony Pulis. Who was Argos first? Yeah, Welsh yeah. in t- yeah. 2005. Cameron Sangster recently yes. announced he would be leaving the club to focus on his business venture, but yeah. who is his business partner? Jake Self. Correct. Mm. Dom Telford started his professional career at which club? Stoke. Blackpool. Mm-hmm. He was signed by okay. Stoke from Blackpool. Okay. Tafari Moore spent time on loan at which two clubs during his days at Arsenal? Wickham. Correct. And Wanderers. Wanderers <laughs> <laughs> um, a Dutch team. Oh, crikey. Um, who were du- Dutch team? So it would have been a sort of, I don't know. Woolen Tway team? 
FC Utrecht. Okay. And that is your ten okay. questions. I don't think I've got five there, have I? The winner <laughs> is Jack. <laughs> what was five to four. Oh, oh no. So, so I say this, I've just looked at Billy Bingham. He's born in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Really? Oh, well, I, I apologise. Jack, there is your prize for winning today's quiz. I'd like to thank my parents for giving me this brain. A five, five out of twelve is a winning score. That's not that's not look good for you. Well, I do apologise for that question about the uh, British manager. I blame Soccer Base. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't say on there anything about Billy this. Bingham. No, no, no. Was he definitely our goal manager, Billy Bingham? I'm pretty sure he was, wasn't he? Oh, check that bit. Check that bit. Yeah. We're, we're, you can tell we're recording this live. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you check that, I'm sure. Well, I'll tell you what. Jack, well, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there we go. I got that wrong, so mm. I do apologise. So, like I said, it's, it's the quiz version of VAR. It is. You've, you've been overruled, Chris. <laughs> it's yeah. been denied. Your armpit got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, second, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, an interesting end to the first bit there with our, our yes. quiz. I don't know how uh, how we fared. I'd be curious to know what the listeners thought of our uh, intellectual uh, prowess. I don't mean to worry you, but I saw a P45 <laughs> go past the window, so you might have a nasty shock when you leave. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris, you and I um, were chatting yesterday, and yeah. you were telling me about a Team of the Decade feature that you're going to do, which um, is going to be interesting. Yes. Um, let's have a chat about some of the players. Jack, obviously, is very much your era. Some of the players that would definitely well definitely be in for you. Oh, who would definitely be in? Well, yeah. can I just say, obviously, we're coming towards the end of 2019, the second decade of the 21st century. Seems like a good chance to look back at Argyle's best players from the decade. Um, I did the first story yesterday. Uh, if you check out the Plymouth Live website, each week we will look at a particular position. So this week it is goalkeepers, and then we'll do right back, left back, central defence, centre mid, wide midfielders and strikers and then come Christmas time we'll be able to unveil who you guys and the readers of Plymouth Live have chosen so I'm glad to know that Jack's voted already we had six options for the goalkeepers um, now I'm trying to remember off the top of my head Roman Larrier yeah. um, David Stockdale who was on loan David Button who was on loan Luke McCormick uh, Kyle Leatheran and Remy Matthews so those are the six nominees and then you can choose one and then we'll collate the results and then do a big reveal come Christmas time when we can say who that your team of the decade is. So that sets the scene. So Jack? Who did you rip for then, Jack? Uh, Luke McCormick, I think. The amount of games he played, you know. The, the, my one problem with this question is that I'm going to get confused about what was in 2008. You'll have to remind me which side of the decade it came because oh. as we've uh, proved in the I, quiz, I think, you know, no one's going to sit there and, you know, well, it can't really count too many of his games because yeah. he, he played in 2008 or 2009. Stu and I talked about this, didn't we, Stu? And certainly from the sort of start of the 09-10 season, you could, you could, you could count people. But it's a, it's a rough guide, you know. And, what I mean uh, is, I might get people that left in 2008. My memory's not exactly clear when people left or came. But well, that's but why we give you the nominees yes. that you can choose. Yeah. You just from, ask so. me who would be in my team. Mm. General sweep, sweeping statement. The last few years have mm. got to be some of the best since administration, don't they? So Graham Carey, yeah. Ruben Lemiris. Now, see, this is going to be the scary thing. I'm going to probably name some people now, and you're going to tell me it was 15 years ago, and that's going to terrify me. It was that long ago. But okay. Barry Hales, was he in the... No, so back to Blake? Was that yeah. before 2010? Yeah, that was 06, 07. Yeah. So, so, so some of the more recent players... Bra- Bradley Wright Phillips made a couple Bradley of Bradley Phillips would be... He, would, he was a natural goal scorer. I think I miss that. If you're thinking 09-10, you're thinking of uh, Paul Mariner taking over as Argyle head coach. 
having that short spell of getting relegated out mm. of the championship, then going straight through League One administration. So you, you're looking at uh, you know Bradley Wright Phillips, Joe Mason, um, Curtis Nelson, Rory Fallon, uh, Yannick Molassi, Craig Noon. Onwards. See, it's yeah. funny as well because there'll be certain moments, like for me, Peter Hartley's header against mm. Portsmouth almost puts him into that category. Well, that's the beauty of everything else. Yeah, and that's you know, the beauty yeah. of those things. I mean, yeah. Peter was a was a good good, good defender for a good yeah. servant for Argyle. So you could certainly justify picking him because because of that one particular moment. Um, but in terms of goalkeeper, Luke McCormick for me, I mean, he's sort of been a stalwart stalwart of Argyle, and he's been through the highs and been through the lows of Argyle and. He was always the same pair of hands. He was my password at school, I remember. Mm. That was pre-2010. But um, <laughs> he, he was a great player. But even Stockdale and Buston, I can't believe that wasn't allowed. To me, that seems longer ago than mm. Brad. It's funny how your mind works, yeah. isn't it? Mm. But there were some great players. I think Carey's going to be up there, I'm sure. Lemiris from the last couple of years. But yeah, Craig Noon was mm. a fantastic player to watch. Not, mm. The thing I liked about Craig Noon was his story as well, where, where he'd come from. Yeah. Argyle haven't always been the best in recent years of mm. finding good players from non-league which mm. other teams do quite well sometimes and he was definitely one of them well Noon and Balassia yeah, played in the so. same team and I, I remember them having one game up at Oldham uh, in League One uh, when Argyle ended up with nine players I think Bonds and Gala and Carrie Arneson got sent off if memory serves right and Noon and Balassia were absolutely outstanding that day and Argyle were winning till very late in the game even with nine men in it ended up losing the game but you know, Craig Noon Balassia were good players they would I think come in the, the wide midfield uh, Nominees, so it's very subjective and it's all a bit of fun and just you know to get a feel for what people think. Um, it was interesting with the goalies that three of them were on loan, mm. and uh, and Argyle do seem to have had a lot of on loan goalkeepers, don't they? You Particularly know, in one season, Alex Palmer. Well, you yeah. know, we, we said we could have had a team <laughs> a, a team of the season with the goalkeepers, couldn't we? Yeah. There was yeah, yeah. What, seven different goalkeepers mm. used. Uh, the 17, 18 And even season. Alex Palmer, of course, is on loan this season. He is, from, yeah. From you know, probably hasn't played quite enough games to sort of, yeah. you know, come into consideration. You know, Stockdale and, and Button, David Button spent the whole of the season at Argyle in very difficult circumstances. David Stockdale was, a, I remember I mentioned in the story I did, he had a fantastic game up at Ipswich one Tuesday night when Argyle, backs to the wall, had a, had a, had a real good win, um, which Paul Mariner enjoyed because it came against Ipswich, his former team, and... So he was a good keeper and has gone on to have a, a good career. So so the goalies are out now. So if you go on the Plymouth Live website, uh, Plymouth Live Isle Team of the Decade, you can choose from six. Just choose one ticket. We'll keep all the results. We'll keep the surprise till Christmas time so that you know we can do a big reveal and, and announce who it is. And it will be the right-backs next week. I haven't sat down and looked at right-backs yet, but um, we'll we'll come up with a list of you know six, six right-backs and... Uh, and take it from there. Well, I hope I can trust in your vote, Jack. Yeah, going you will. I mean, it'll be interesting to see the petitions because you know, I was just thinking off the top of my head there, Sonny Bradley, Carl mm. McHugh, mm. Diago Raga, I would say was fantastic. Mm. He was only there for a limited time. Mm. And if you go very limited, another yeah. player that impressed me, I maybe didn't play enough games to get there, but Carolyn Lavery, he was mm. fantastic when he was on loan. I got recalled, obviously, and mm. you didn't see too much of him. But it'll be an interesting insight into you know, seeing some names mm. again and remembering what they did at Argyle. But there have certainly been a lot of players that have contributed well over the years, that's for sure. Have they got a, have played a certain number of games to be shortlisted, Chris? Or, uh, um, I haven't got anything set in stone, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it needs to be a reasonable amount. Something ahead, David Stockdale was 21, so I suppose I've set a bar at, at least at that 20. Sort of, I guess it depends as well when, when you compare the position. Who else, you know, yeah. even Diogo yeah. might have been fantastic, but there might be six that were better than it, you know, yeah. or more worthy of being in that list. So until you do the, the you know, work yeah. it out, it's going to be. 
But central midfielders are always interesting, aren't they? Because I imagine you'd have Graham Carey in the same bracket as, mm. as Dior Agarral. Uh, uh, Dior Agarral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and David Fox as well, you know, he, he did the, the ugly stuff well, didn't he? Mm. And sometimes you forget that when you, you've got goal-scoring midfielders in your team. So and, yeah. and I suppose one thing I should just say in the last thing on the goalies is that obviously we included Roman Larrier and Luke McCormick, who both played in the previous decade for Argyle as well as the current decade. And it's entirely up to you guys whether you say, well... Roman in this decade was towards the end of his career, so perhaps wasn't good as he was was earlier in his career. Or whether you want to judge them just across the whole of the, you know, there's no hard and fast rules. Yeah. It's just a bit of fun. So, Roman played uh, a number of games at the start of this decade, uh, towards the end of his playing career. So you know you can pick him, you can pick Luke, comparing his first and second spells. You you know do it do it however you like. Remy Matthews had a fantastic season when Argyle almost got in the League One playoffs and was a key part of that. So Stockdale and Button were excellent loan signings and, and Kyle Leveran. I included him because he didn't play masses of games for Argyle, but he had some good games out of that. Uh, and you do feel that, you know, but for injury, he would have uh, gone on and played many more games for Argyle. Mm. Certainly could have had a, a, an impact on what happened towards the end of last season, I think. Absolutely. Oh, I, look, so. I, look, I think it's a great idea, though. I mm. really do look forward to seeing yeah. the result. And, and then it'll be good come Christmas time, we'll have all the positions rounded up. Um, I think what we'll do for like central defence is that I might try and come up with eight names and then you pick your favourite one, but then when we get up the results of the eight players, then we'll pick obviously who got the, the two yeah. that got the most votes yeah. and then uh, take it from there. Yeah, so what formation are you gonna play? Well <laughs> Ryan Lowe or Derek Adams. Uh, just for just for ease of everything and giving people as many different people a chance, I was gonna go four four two. Mm. I know it's not in vogue these days. <laughs> and you could get really technical and go four two three one or, or something, but that sounds like making very hard work work of it. But four four two gives you at least two sets of midfielders, yeah. two wide players and two strikers. It gives everyone a fair crack on the whip. I last my last question, you can do a manager. The decade. Uh, yeah, so I, think we, we, I think we probably will. I think if I've done my maths right, we should just about have enough weeks to get it all in so that we can announce it. One week is time. it? So yeah. yeah. Sounds good, great idea. I, 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 yeah. I, with my fan hat on, I enjoyed reading through it yesterday. So. Good. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent feature, so mm. uh, keep your eyes out for that one. FA Cup week then, guys. Um, Jack, you've already said that you're looking forward to going up to Bolton. First time Argyle will play Bolton since January 1993, and the Argyle team that day was Keith Hill who is now the manager of Bolton, of course. And Chris, new ground for you. Yeah, never been to, to Bolton. Never been to <coughs> Burnham Park. Never been to what is now called the University of Bolton Stadium. And I imagine there's very few Argyle fans that would have been there as well. It's a long time ago, isn't it? So that's why I would expect quite a few Argyle fans to go up, because I know fans do like to tick the, yeah. tick the grounds off, off the list. Um, and as we touched on earlier, you know, I think most people are aware of Bolton's you know, Saga and their decline and the financial problems they had and they almost, like Barry, went out of business at the start of the season. They were saved. They did have a 12-point deduction at the start of the season. Phil Parkinson, their manager, who'd stuck it out for so long and, you know, carried himself really well, left and was replaced by Keith Hill, as you say, former Argyle defender, former Rochdale manager, who had an unenviable job, really, to come in and try and put a squad together at the last minute. And I, I was looking yesterday, the first 14 games of the season, they didn't win any of them. And they, they must have wondered what they were letting themselves in for. But a 2-0 win at Bristol Rovers in, in League One on October the 22nd, if my memory serves. Um, and then they've won three in a row. Uh, they beat Fleetwood at home on Saturday. And Fleetwood, are a decent League One team. No mean feat to, to beat Joey Barton's side. And, 
you know, they'll be full of confidence now, thinking that they've, they've turned the corner and they're on their way up. And we've spoken about Keith Hill on the podcast before. He did a fantastic job at Rochdale. You know, what he did over a long period of yeah. time at Rochdale was, uh, was excellent. And um, I know from speaking to him, you know, he, he enjoyed his time at Argyle. Um, he, he follows Argyle. There was the time when I think it was John Sheridan got the job that Keith Hill was quite close to getting it, but there was a few other issues uh, regarding his departure from, from Barnsley just previously that sort of ruled him out of the running. So he's he's always one of those that could could potentially be an Argyle manager of the future. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice, always looks a nice ground. Um, should be a great place for 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 Jack and his dad and all the a Green Army to to watch the game. But it'll be. It, it looks as though it'll be a tough one. Yeah. That's the thing. I think when the draw came out, well, firstly, I would like to point out to people that won't know, but we were watching the draw <laughs> yeah, together, we weren't we? And yeah. Before the draw started, I said Bolton away would be the one that I'd won. And when it came out, your, your draw dropped <laughs> and, and, um, and mine dropped as well. You know, maybe part of me thought it'd be a walk in the park because the results were all, you know, being battered. I know they've got a new team, a new manager, but they were being battered 5 0 quite not long before that. And the things have settled down, Keith Hill's done well, so suddenly it's not quite as a, it won't be a walk in the park is what I'm trying to say, and I don't think, you know, the players will ever have treated it like that anyway, but it's a good ground to go to, I'm looking forward to that, it always makes the travelling a bit easier when you go into a nice venue at the other end, and hopefully our goal can get their name into the hat for the second round, because I do love an FA Cup draw. And one of the Team of the Decade nominees is, is in the Bolton lineup. Yes. Remy Matthews, yeah, of course, absolutely. who's... Uh, Stuck with Bolton through thick and thin. Um, most left, didn't they? Most left, and he, he remained there, and he's been playing regularly for them. I, I thought he was great for Argyle in 2017-18, so um, I hope he's not quite so great on Saturday, but um, but yeah, a very good goalkeeper. It's good to see him doing well, actually, because mm. you know he, he was in goal for some of those drubbings when it was all the kids playing, and that can't have been easy for a goalkeeper. No. A goalkeeper that's got a good history, that was good at Argyle last year, playing behind a load of kids who were it, giving their all against seasoned professionals, yeah. seeing four or five goals again, that must have been hard. It was basically an under-18s yeah. team to start yeah. the season off with. So, I mean, um, yeah, that won't have been easy, but he, he stuck with them and hopefully he gets his reward uh, you know, by sticking by Bolton and, and having success with that football club because it's not that long ago they were in the Premier League, they've got a lovely ground, they've got you know, a good set-up there. They just need to get themselves on a steady footing financially and then they should have success. Just not yeah. in the FA Cup. Hopefully. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of talk these days, guys, about whether the FA Cup has lost its magic. I, I me personally, I think that's a Premier League thing. I, I, you know, you see so many Premier League teams that disrespect the FA Cup, but for clubs in mm. League Two, it means everything still, doesn't it? I think the FA Cup still has its magic. I think the FA Cup final has lost its magic. That would be my argument. I don't think they make a big song and dance about it. You, I know it's not quite the same, but you see the Super Bowl and you sort of feel like that, that this is the English version of the Super Bowl. They should do a bit more about it. But you're right, you know, you've got a sort of question. I know there's, there's a trophy up for grabs and then it goes in your record, but you've got a question, why, what, what, what do the big teams get from winning it, really, apart from another trophy? And it is sad that perhaps they don't care about that and they care more about Europe, and I sort of get why a bit. But in terms of, you know, lower league fans, it, it, as a lower league fan, I look forward to the draw. I hope I'll get in it. I get excited for the draw. I love watching the show when you see non-league teams celebrating mm. who they get. I think it was the Chichester goal. Yeah, the, the Chichester guy. An Argyle fan said he hoped they got Argyle in, yeah. in the draw. Obviously, they got they got a bye, didn't they? Because of Berry, and you know it was great to watch. It does those sort of moments for me gives me goosebumps, and that yeah. that for me is what football is about. It's not about the Man U's. It's not about the Man City's. It's not about the money. It's about real true fans who travel up and down the country in sometimes awful grounds and get their their day. Mm. The only thing I like about big teams is when they have to go to 
quite average ground. They're quite like that. <laughs> Seeing their faces, they come yeah. off the coach thinking, well, this doesn't look like the Etihad or, or, or whatever. So I look forward to it and I hope, mm. I hope I'll get in the second round because a third round home draw, if they got through the second as well, would be fantastic this season with the grandstand opening. Couldn't you imagine if they got a, a decent Premier League side at a home park mm. in January with the grandstand just, just open? I mean, it'd be, uh, it'd be fantastic. Good season to do it. This it? is the, the good season to do it. My only observation to add to what Jack said there is that I don't think the FA do the FA Cup any, any favours at all with... I know TV is all important and the finance and everything. I, I completely get that. But particularly on FA Cup third round weekend, I mean, it is a weekend. There's probably a game on a Friday night. There's games on Saturday, all sorts of times, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5.30, probably 7.45. As there has been in the past, sort of eight games on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock and yeah. stuff like that. You, what used to be the real excitement of like the, the bulk of the fixtures played at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. And where's the shot going to be? Where's the shot going to be? And now it's from Friday, Friday night till Sunday tea time. You've got no idea when the game is, what watch a TV channel it might be on. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it's diluted that the excitement of that. Uh, I'm not sure that Premier League fans look at the FA Cup um, quite the same as, as lower league fans. But I'm sure most Argyle fans, if they could get to the second round, they'll be really nervous and excited and hoping they can get to the third round and then get a big tie. So no, I think there's still a place for the FA Cup. I just think the FA, the FA need to perhaps, goes back to your point about making... The, the final itself a big occasion I, I'm not sure the FA do the FA Cup as much good as they should do mm. I, I totally agree I thought you made a really good point there Jack and it's not just the fans but the players as well you see those non-league players yeah. that have their moment in, in the spotlight you know they might never do anything in their career I, but score a, a, yeah. a goal in the FA Cup I love the stories about their backgrounds I like the fact they were fixing someone's roof on the Friday then their Saturday they're preparing to play, <laughs> to, play, to play Man United you know it's, it's the stories that you, you love to see and it's, it's, what, it's what you saw what, it's what I like about the World Cup as well when you see these countries that aren't perhaps big with football but you know they've got their teachers their doctors their vets their whatever they are and then all of a sudden they're these Footballs on, the, on some of the biggest stages. Stage. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, what about you? You're a fan as well. Do you still love the FA Cup? Love it, absolutely love it. I don't love it when you get a crap draw, oh, a rubbish draw. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend there was a bleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. But, um, yeah, as you say, Jack, we were watching it together. We loved it. We were really excited about yeah. the whole program. I do like that from a from a TV point. I totally agree with what Chris is saying. I think it's diluted when. You know, I think there's games even stretching into Monday nights now. Yeah, well, there probably is. Yeah, so, so I mean, it just goes, it just sort of goes on, on, on forever and, on. and ever, and it's, it, to me, it lessens the impact of it. Yeah, I totally agree. But I do like what they do with the draw. You know, it's always broadcast live. I mean, I'm you probably remember as well, Chris, the days it used to be on BBC Radio Two at twelve yes. o'clock on a on a I, Monday lunchtime. I do remember that. Yeah. I remember skiving off school to listen to it a few times. <laughs> so uh, okay. always loved the FA. Jack's Cup. looking at us, thinking I'm not old enough to remember <laughs> yeah. that. Radio? What's yeah. a radio? <laughs> Uh, Mike Day, what is the best way to incorporate George Cooper and Mayer in the same team? I imagine that's something um, Ryan Lowe will be looking that's, to do at the that's weekend. A, that's a, a good question, isn't it? Um, I, I, I'd expect Danny Mayer to come back. You know, I think he's, they've got to get him in the team and, and firing on all cylinders, haven't you? Uh, so, is, is Mayer and Sarsavik as the two centre midfield players with Cooper in behind? Or... Cooper as the right wing back, maybe. It's yeah, I'd say between Joe Edwards and Cooper to flip between those two roles. Mm. I think, I I think Mike, well, Mike's not said it, but I think Cooper it'd be hard hard to drop Cooper. I think he's been fantastic. No, I think they need apart to keep from the next team. Yeah, yeah. next game where everyone had an off day. Yeah, if I, you can get Cooper and Mayer firing in that same team, yes, Argyle will be 
a terrifying threat for a lot of opposition, I think. Mm. If, if they're on their game. I saw a comment on one of the Argyle um, chat groups saying that Joe Edwards has got to play as the midfield because he just gives the midfield that defensive solidarity. And I can, I can totally see that. I can totally see that because you can have as many fair players. Look at any successful teams. You have yeah. lots of flair players, but you need a Fernandinho or yeah. whatever, don't you, to, to be the glue to hold it all together. You can't, you can't just play Maya Baxter when he's fit and Cooper in the central midfield three and necessarily expect it to all flourish and Argyle to be solid defensively. So it's how do you, how do you work it around? I think Anthony Sarsuit is having a good season. So I, I'd be quite keen to keep him in the team. And I think he's a goal threat as well. Um, and where Argyle aren't really getting goals regularly from strikers apart from... I know Joel Grant's been on a good run, but to me, Argyle haven't got 20 goal a season strikers. So if they can get a Sarsovic and a, a Maya going in the same team. So if, if you're going with Maya and Sarsovic in the, in the formation that Ryan Lowe plays, to me, the only way you can then get George Cooper in is obviously have him as a wing-back or playing behind where we're talking about Joe Edwards. So he's and I think it's yeah, I think, I think you're I think you're right. Maybe Joe Edwards would be suited to that position, and uh, because George Cooper also would be more suited to getting forward and and having a chance at goal yeah. occasions. And you don't want your holding midfielder to be rushing forward, and then when the which we've seen the opposition then go on the counter, mm. and you don't have that defensive player back there, that could cost targets. So maybe right wing back is the logical place for him to go. And could we've you... seen we've seen Joe Joe Riley score goals. We've seen Joe Edwards play mm. twice and score goals. Mm. You can still possess a goal threat at right wing back under in a Ryan mm. team. Could you, could, as well as got goals. could you play Danny Meyer sort of? Offer or up front as such, and then you play Cooper and Sarsavik with Edwards. Could you play Mayer? Almost just give him a little bit of a license just to roam around. So you play whoever it is up mm. top, and just have him say, "Mayer, look, you just go wherever you want, and just try and find you know pockets of space, and so he can, you know, get onto his, uh, you know, left foot and yeah. curl, curl shots in and, and things like that." I, I don't know. That's going to be a is a challenge for Rhino, but uh, George Cooper was our. Um, player of the month for October in terms of player ratings that we give for games so he's been in form he's a, he's a proven League One stroke championship player you've got to get him in the team so you need Cooper and Meyer in the team if, as Jack says if they're firing on all cylinders then Argyle should do well you know if they're both playing well they're, they're match winning players I remember this, you know, the same question was asked about carrying the mirrors for a long time. It, is, I mean, yeah, it, took, it yeah. took Derek Adams a long time to get them in the same team working well together. He mm. did it eventually for a period mm. of time. Mm. And maybe that's just the case. Lowe's got to work for them both on the training ground and eventually that partnership might develop like it did with Kerry. It's going to be a waste so, if one of those two players is on the bench. The interesting thing with um, what you say there about Kerry and Ramirez was that I thought the key to that, or the trio, was Ryan Taylor. Mm. Because Ryan Taylor yeah, always sort of had the ball and it was those two that buzzed around <coughs> and fed off him. So yeah. could there be a case then for Ryan Taylor to come into the team yeah. and Mayer and, and Cooper to play off him? Yes, there could be. There's, there's lots of alternatives. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there, there is that. There is that case. Absolutely. But you've got Don Telford coming back who everyone's quite keen to see because he's one of those short, speedy, nippy strikers that can wriggle through, but then how does that fit in with playing, you know, a Danny Meyer in behind us? And, and I don't think Joel Grant deserves to get dropped. He's been fantastic. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, and Joel Grant, you know, up until Exeter, what's, he's got four in the last five, so he's, he's been doing well. So, and, you know, Rhino can't come out saying if you score goals, you stay in my team and then drop, you know, yeah. one of your leading goal scorers. You know, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. So it will be an interesting, you know, team selection on Saturday. The FA Cup, you never know what, Ryan Lowe might do, but you would have thought he'd, he'd pick his strongest team. Well, well given they haven't played oh, yeah, two yeah. weeks as well, I think it's important to get his first team and out. So. With those two league games that I mentioned coming up against yeah. Forest Green and Bradford, I think you need to, you know, 
this is the team, but with a view to Forest Green the following week and try and you know, make sure that when you're going into Forest Green and Bradford with hopefully a, a team that's coming off a good result and has built up a bit of confidence. And I've got some of our best results this year have come when they've had a stable team. The, mm. the, the win against Carlisle and uh, Leighton Orient came with the same defenders. You know, if you can get that going into those games, that's going to help. Yeah, well, let's talk about the defence because uh, Strictly Plymouth tweeted to say, in the panel's view, out of the current players, what is the best defensive lineup? It seems to be a recurring question because of the fact it changes week week to week and yeah. I think my answer will probably change week to week I'm sure I, I wouldn't have said this one a, a few weeks ago but if I was if I was picking it oh, it's so difficult isn't it I'll, I'll definitely go with Gary Sawyer um, and I think Ameson back in Ameson's I think got to be Ameson's got to be in because he's a, he's a strong defender and he's a, a he's a goal threat as well and then it comes down to to Canavan and Scott Wooten and the only problem I'm not sure Noel Canavan necessarily is a, is a right-sided centre-back. So if you're looking for a right-sided centre-back, you go with Scott Wooten. Um, but Noel Canavan's done quite well, um, take away the Exeter game as, as, as with everyone. I think if I was picking a team, I'd probably go Wooten, Ameson and Sawyer. But I'm sure if you ask me that question in a couple of weeks' time, I'll probably give you a different answer. You know, a couple of clean sheets, of course. If you listen back to the old podcast, we've all said at points, oh, Josh Grant should come in and, he, mm. you know, and yeah. then he has not played well, so then he goes out of your thoughts. Yeah. The fact is, this problem's going to keep. This question's probably going to keep cropping up until the January transfer window, when you can maybe make a bit of movement. Because none, none of the defensive five, counting the three players that I picked, Canavan and Josh Grant, have performed consistently well enough to merit sort of yet yeah, definitely go with them. Mm. Uh, and that's been one of the one of the big issues for Argyle. And you know, you would assume that Ryan Lowe will look to address that area of the squad in some way. Uh, in the January chance but, but you're right Ameson for me has to, should be mm. getting back in the team also because of the threat he possessed some corners and free kicks that Argo in my view do not have that without him in the he team. looks like he could score he could be one of those Sonny Bradley Graham Cochran type centre backs that could get you five or six goals a season and they are in, in addition to being a good defender they are in, invaluable absolutely right well that's all we've got time for this week Crikey, that was, a, that, was a, that was a long old chat for a, for a long game, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, absolutely 45 So, did we decide the quiz was a draw then? <laughs> no, we, well, are, we, we can't go back, I'm afraid. Well, you, you, see, you got the question wrong anyway because you said Carl Fletcher. So, um, on, on those grounds, oh, Jack, okay. Jack gets to keep oh, the prize, okay, which of course oh, is a, a Cadbury's no, whistle. I'm never going to so. hear the last one. <laughs> Well, All the way up to Bolton. Can you imagine yeah. what the conversation is going to be like, Stu? Well, it won't be a quiz, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, um, hopefully we're back next week to discuss Argo being in the hat. So well, we shall see. Yeah. Crossed, Big game on Saturday. We'll safe journey up to Bolton, chaps, and um, we'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We're always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.